I'm Jim Frawley, and this is Bellwether. Bellwether, thank you for joining this week. This is this is two episodes in a row now where we have a guest, and it's a great guest, and I did it live on LinkedIn, but I wanted to turn it back into a podcast. And next week, we're going to have a guest. So it's three weeks in a row we have guests. These are great guests with really good, interesting things to share. I love talking to you as much as I, you know, I've got opinions on just about everything, which you know, but there are other people with good opinions, too. And that's why I'm bringing them to you. So uh, this week, we we had an interview. I had a LinkedIn Live with Ben Lampron. Ben is in the plastics industry. Great career. Metro Mall Design. Vice president out in the Midwest. Doing good things. But he's also the best-selling author of a book called Jumpstart Your Future. And what I like about Ben, Ben's part of this cohort, I'll call it, this group of people who uh, they've learned a lot over time. They made it through their career. They're doing great things. And they're recognizing that there, there are a lot of things that they learned that may be helpful to other people. And they're not telling people what they need to do, but they're sharing the lessons that they learned so that hopefully they could be helpful to other people down the road. And that's one of the things that Ben did. And Ben wrote a book for those people who are going into the workplace, or maybe who have been in the workplace. So a lot of the interview was focused on people coming out of college, getting ready for, for work. They don't really know what they're getting into. They're signing their life away on you know, paperwork this and benefits that. And many of them don't know how to take full advantage of all of those things. But I know plenty of 40 and 50-year-olds who don't know the exact same thing. So uh, I, I would encourage you to listen to this and think about all of these aspects of things to to really take control of and take responsibility for it's you know 529 plans and um, I don't know IRAs 401ks uh, how do you get good feedback to do a prom- to get a promotion all of these things that you know a good mentor would share with you but the reality is most of us don't have a mentor so this is this is almost a mentorship book for people who don't have a mentor and um, it's good information. It's really good information. Oftentimes we just turn off things like the 529 plan, the 401k, the IRA, because we don't fully understand it. We don't get it. We'll worry about it later. Right? It's too big of a mountain to climb. I got too much other stuff right in front of me. I'm going to worry about it later. At your own peril. That's what I'll say. At your own peril. And so uh, sometimes it's just one or two simple questions away. Ben encourages you to do that. And he gives a... Um, he gives a, a, a great, great interview. So if you are in that bucket, either just getting started in the workplace, or maybe you've been in the workplace for a decade and you're like, this isn't, you know, this isn't the golden the golden path that I thought I was going to be on. Or maybe you're 40, 50, 60 years old and, and, and start thinking, we made the comment and best time to start is 20 years ago, second best time is now. So a lot of this is good information. Here are the three things we, the big things we chat about. One, employees don't know what they're getting into uh, in terms of getting ready and recognizing their levels of responsibility for the workplace. We get so excited to get a job and get out of college and start working. We never think about it holistically of this is a 40-year journey. What is my responsibility to push myself forward over the next 40 years? 
50 years, whatever it is. And, and what can I be doing today besides just, you know, pushing buttons in, a, in an assembly line? How can I utilize the people around me to learn more and get to a different level in the organization? So that's one. We talk about it from the employee perspective. But the really important side of it is the leadership perspective. And this is something that I talk to a lot of my clients about is what is our obligation as leaders to the people in our organizations to get them ready for whatever's coming down the pike. We know crazy change is coming. We've dealt with crazy change as senior leaders. We're now making investments to, to lower expenses from a headcount perspective. What are we doing to get these people prepared for something beyond the workplace? And we have that obligation. These people are giving us our, our their evenings and their weekends, and they're giving us all of these things, sacrificing time for their family for the benefit of the company. We owe them something back is my argument. And so I, I agree with Ben on that. We had a nice discussion on the word obligation. I do think that's an important word, especially as the economy changes so quickly, the workplace changes so quickly, things are getting more automated. We have to learn new skills. Companies have an obligation to their people to get them there. That's one of the big, the, the big secret sauces for the successful companies and the people who want to work for those successful companies. That's what, that's what people are looking for. And then three outside of from the individual perspective and then the boss leadership perspective is back to, I guess, the individual perspective, but also small business. How do you differentiate yourself? Because everything is the same. Okay, there, there is, everything is just the same. We're getting the same leadership advice. We're getting the same scripts to follow when we're giving feedback. We're getting the same coaching from, you know, all of these coaching models and everything. Everything is the same. So you are just like everybody else. You are a dime a dozen, just like me, just like everybody else. How are you separating yourself from the other people in your pack to get up to that next level? And that's a really difficult thing to answer because it has to be authentic to you. We explore that a little bit with Ben, uh, but that's 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 the good stuff right there is how are you changing what you're doing rather than just the, the record spinning normal day to day that everyone else is doing? How do you differentiate? differentiate yourself out in in the marketplace and at the workplace so great interview thanks to ben for joining um i hope you enjoy it as always there's more on bellwetherhub.com ben and i have similar philosophies on on the way that things should be happening in the workplace uh but i'd love to talk to you more about about how i can help you and, and how bellwether can help you and your people get to that next level because authenticity differentiation uh strategic planning executive communication these are the things that are really important for the new economy and being successful. So enjoy the interview. Thank you for tuning in, and I'll talk to everybody very soon. Thanks. All right. Welcome, everybody, to Bellwether Hub Live this wonderful Thursday. Thank you for joining us. I have a guest this week. As I always love doing the live guest thing, I have Ben Lampron. Ben is a VP at Metro Mold and Design, but he's also the best-selling author of Jumpstart Your Future. And we're going to talk about his book, why he wrote it, all these good things. But what I like about Ben, and I, I'm finding a bit of a theme going on throughout throughout the coaching industry and, and throughout, I guess, just business in general, is many of the people who are getting to senior positions in their organizations are reflecting back, whether with a coach or with somebody else, and realizing that... They wish they knew something that they didn't know before. And if, if only I had known this so much sooner, everything would have been so much better. My life would have turned out differently, even though my life is pretty good. You know, all of these types of things. So uh, Ben is one of those people who actually did something about it and wrote a book about it. And he's got some great advice in that book. 
talking about, look, the economy is changing. Um, the way the workplace operates is changing. And what many of us don't realize until it's almost too late is that ultimately you're responsible for whatever it is at work. You know, many of my clients talk to me about, you know, I don't get the feedback that I want. I ask for feedback and nobody really gives it to me. To which I would say, you know, are you asking for the right types of feedback and how are you helping people to do that type of feedback? So what I want to talk to Ben about today is really, you know, what is the obligation we have as senior people in an organization or as, you know, if we want to get even more meta on it, bigger on it, is, you know, we are ancestors. And uh, two years ago, when I was in Belfast, we at one of the conferences, we talked about, hey, we are ancestors. We think about what our great grandparents did and what our grandparents did and what our parents did to get us to where we are. Well, we are those people for those next generations. And what are we doing for those types of people? And I love these types of conversations because I have so many good types of questions. So I want to turn it over. So welcome, Ben. Ben Lampron. Welcome to the show. Ben, introduce us introduce yourself, tell us about yourself, and, and we'll go from there. Thanks, Jim. Good to catch up with you again. Always good to catch up with you. And yeah, every, so catch yeah. up with me again, so everybody who knows, uh, Ben and I have the same publisher. So if Jeremy Jones isn't watching this, I'm gonna be very disappointed. Uh, <laughs> but that's how Ben and I, um, Ben and I got to know each other, we hit it off pretty well. So Ben, tell us about yourself, who you are, what you do, and, and tell us a little bit about this book. Yeah, sure. Hey, everyone. I'm Ben Lampron. Uh, I currently work for a company called Metro Mullen Design. Uh, we're up in Rogers, Minnesota, which is a suburb of Minneapolis. And what we do is we uh, make plastic parts. We uh, primarily do injection molding uh, and make parts for Fortune 500 companies. It's a manufacturing plant uh, that I've been here about three years. And that was after a 23-year career at Honeywell International, uh, where I did a variety of sales, service, and, and operations roles across the U.S., uh, quite a change in my career going from a large company like Honeywell uh, to a smaller local company like Metro Mold and Design. Uh, so I've kind of gotten to work for big companies, small companies, and it's given me kind of a perspective um, across that spectrum that's really made me a, a more complete leader. Uh, so I've been blessed with that. I'm a father of three, I'm happily married, and my uh, kids are scattered throughout high school and college. So I've had a good time uh, raising them watching them go through school and see what they learn and what they don't learn. That's kind of all brought it together um, for the whole purpose why I wrote the book, Jim. Uh, how do people go through school, learn things or not learn things, and what are they prepared to do once they enter their professional career? So life is pretty good for Ben Lampron. Um, nice career, dabbling in plastics, changing the world that we live in. Um, you say that you've got your three people your, your three children scattered around high school and college. Is that part of the driver of why you said this is now the time to start writing the book? Because when we were talking about the show and, and getting you on the show, and what were we really going to talk about? You said something that really jumped out. You said employees, when they started a company, really don't know what they're getting into. And talk to me a little bit about that. You know, who's starting new jobs or coming out of college, right, in this absolute mess of an economy or whatever? Um, there's a lot of external focus on, you know, this is going to be a difficult place for me. And, and I don't know, you know, I'm waiting for everyone to make the changes to make to recognize my greatness. But we kind of have to flip that on its head. So tell me, what don't employees know that they're actually getting into and and why now for the book? Yeah, yeah. Well, the book was was an answer to a lot of questions. You know, no matter what I've been doing in my life, Jim, as a parent, as a coach, as a mentor, uh, all all folks, regardless of their socioeconomic background, have the same exact questions. You know, what do I do with my first paycheck? Like, how do I invest? Uh, where do I go with my career, and how do I get ahead faster than the normal? 
how do I build meaningful relationships? They're the same questions, no matter where they are asking them or, or who they are. Uh, as I mentor some some educated folks at work, uh, simple questions like, do you invest in your 401k or do you know what a 529 plan is? And to a, to a person, hardly any of them know those answers. Uh, they weren't taught that in school. So, so it caused me to, you know, let's reflect, what do my kids know and what have they learned in school? And the, the answers are the same. They're not taught those things. So I started saying, well, I'm gonna do something about it. Uh, my kids have the advantage of being my kid, so, so they get this lecture all the time. But I just started putting together a couple PowerPoint slides where I can go on my whiteboard in my office and share some basics with folks who are interested in these things. Then COVID hit, and you know what? I had time. And uh, one of my mentors recommended that I take all these learnings I've learned uh, and put them into a book, which is how the book was born. And uh, it took me about six months to write, and uh, it just kind of flowed. I have a passion around these things. Wasn't particularly difficult, uh, but I really am passionate about the, the, the simple lessons that I think really help folks get off to a good start. So I feel like a lot of these isn't just for kids, though. So, you know, I talk to people in their 50s and, and they have absolutely no idea what a 529 plan is. And you just say, oh, my goodness, you know, there's all kinds of different aspects um, and ways to prepare for the future. But we're so bad at it. I feel like there's this cycle. We come into work. We say there's plenty of time, don't really care, don't know about it, whatever. Uh, life goes by. Suddenly we're 40 with kids. Suddenly we're 55. We got to pay for college. Um, then we just say, oh my God, it's too late now to even get started. What am I going to do? This cycle is constantly going. How do you get, why are so many people so bad at planning? And how do you get people to listen to good advice? Because this is the same advice we've been hearing for years, right? I remember hearing it when I was first getting into college. My father was beating it into my head and I didn't pay attention. So <laughs> how do we get people to listen to what we're saying? Well, first of all, you asked about, you know, how do folks get into this mess? And I think one thing is there's a certain naive level of the folks coming into the, into the workplace. And I've seen this change even more in the last 10 years. I think kids are coming out of college into the workforce almost with like a, a parent expectation. The company will take care of me. They're, they're, they're programmed to help me get along in my career and do well. I think that's just false. I mean, obviously there are programs in big companies to, to make sure you're getting the right training you need, but that training is specifically sp focused on what the company needs, not necessarily what you as a person needs. So the quicker the folks realize that, you know what, I need to start strong, I need to start early, the better. Uh, if you wake up and you're 30, you've lost those first mission critical eight years of your career where career development, investments, um, relationship building uh, really gets you ahead of your peers. Now. How do we do that, Jim? I think it has to come from very specific intended programs uh, from the companies. They're not gonna get it from their friends. They're not gonna get it from school, certainly. Uh, hopefully they got some from their parents, but if they really get the uh, cultural uh, uh, mentorship from their companies, from people they trust and respect, I think we have a chance to move that needle. And I've sort of taken that on my own uh, uh, self to do that in my own company. When folks come in, I start asking those questions. Do you know these things and, and show them why they're important? put the math spreadsheet on the board and say, if you invest now versus when you're 30, it's a massive difference. I don't think we can expect folks to be born with this. I think we as leaders have to turn the tables and drag them to the finish line uh, through coaching. I think it's the only way we get it done. I, you know, it's, there are two aspects of responsibility and obligation here. And I, and I've heard both and they both make sense. One is the obligation and responsibility of an individual to take control of their life, save their money, do what they're supposed to do. Um, make 
good choices for their future and do whatever it is that they have to do. Uh, but there's another one is leaders in organizations, I would say, have a responsibility and an obligation to get their people ready as well. So we recognize that change can happen at the drop of a hat. We like to talk about work as being f uh, a family and we want you to give up your weekends. But once the economy goes in the tank and the balance sheet starts looking red, all of a sudden those people are cut out, right? So at the end of the day, it is a little bit more of a one-way thing. How do we get leaders to recognize the value of providing this type of coaching for their people in a way that they're actually going to listen, not just a presentation on this is a 401k and you'll have millions of dollars at the end of it, but right. you know, to make real behavioral change and get invested in behavioral change for your people. I feel like there's a good revenue benefit to this for the corporation as well. No, no question. Yeah, yeah, no question. And I, and I think there's two answers to that too. One, this is the most uh, business focused answer. It's better for the company. Uh, if we take the time to invest in the whole of a person, their family, their, their finances, their, their development as, as people, they'll be happier people, they'll be better employees, and they're most likely uh, gonna stay longer in your company and you'll have less turnover. So, so just from a selfish standpoint, it makes sense. But from a fiduciary responsibility as a company to make sure I'm doing the best for my shareholders, I need to train those people holistically so that they, they provide better results. I think that, it is, think about sales, think about engineering, think about finance, any of these careers, if people are more well-rounded and better, uh, better human beings themselves, they'll be better employees, better for their customers, and it's just going to provide better results for everyone involved. So when I think about leaders and I talk to them, how do I, you know, what's, what's in it for me? Stop thinking about really what's in it for them. Think about what's in it for the company and the person uh, that's the employer themselves, the whole person. And, and I think in my book, I talk a lot about that. I talk about those, all those aspects I mentioned. And I really kind of break down, yeah, it's going to be better for the person in the short term, but the longer they stay and the more they can spread those uh, words of wisdom across the company, the better it is for everybody. You know, Jim, I, you know, I, I, let me ask you a question. I mean, you're, in your experience, when people are talking about training, do they ever talk about people holistically? I mean, I think it's more around the company. It's really around what is, you know, in, the, in their training book in terms of the job description. I think we have to do a better job as leaders looking at everyone across the board. You're right. And it's, you know, <laughs> you look at the way the training used to be done was a person writing up a PowerPoint presentation, basically telling you how to be. And that's not how people make behavioral change. Right. So there is a whole working home and work are now exactly the same. We're working from home now. We've got all these types of things. Um, there is a, a an additive benefit to mental health coaching at the For workplace. Sure. Um, how do you, if you know, money, it may not be the most important thing, but it's also your biggest worry. So if you can eliminate your biggest worry, how do people feel? Um, how can people better focus on their actual work rather than worrying about what they're going to be spending money on? So if you get that stability, financial stability will help you make better, different decisions around the road. So I agree with you on, on that. Where do they, you cover different areas in your book to prepare for the future. A lot of it's financial. Is that the most important aspect from from a company perspective on getting their people ready? Well, I think it's the one that you can do immediately, right? So think about financial savings, financial preparation, emergency plans, all the things you hear about. Uh, it's so mission critical to start really, really early. And you know the math can be found anywhere, but going between the age of 22 and 30, those eight years sets you up for success along the board. So it doesn't have to be complicated. It doesn't have to be huge, just do something. And I think those tools uh, are out there and it's up for us to, to share the with the folks in the company on what those things are. And I, I'm trying my best to do it. 
you mentioned one thing I mentioned a moment ago that I think is really important, Jim, and you mentioned mental health. There's a certain stigma around that uh, in our economy, and, and we're trying to break that down. I mean, we want folks to, to be able to share those things, if not with us comfortably, go to the resources that we provide through insurance or at the company uh, itself. People have to be able, be able to be comfortable talking about that with someone. And I think getting those spots early also sets them up for a life of freedom from those types of stresses. It's not talked about enough and it's a big one. I'm glad you brought it up. Right. It's um, And it's, well, there's a stigma around a, a few of the things you talk about in the book. So mental health, vulnerability, admitting you don't know something or that you want to be a learner. We know those types of psychological safety aspects make good business and make good culture so that people can then evolve to an innovative type of, you know what, not only do I feel comfortable saying I don't know something, now I feel comfortable challenging status quo to help the company be more innovative. So there's a process to that. But there's also, I would say, a stigma around chatting about your personal financial situation. For sure. Right. There's a stigma around um, the, the I, I would argue that many people misinterpret humility. Right. Where they say, you know, what, I was going to go for that promotion, but I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to seem um, not humble or arrogant. You say, well, you just lost the promotion because somebody else wasn't afraid of doing that. So how do people get beyond stigma? How do you how do you encourage that type of conversation? Does it start at the top with leaders start talking about their particular situation, saying I was nervous doing that until I got past it? How do you think you can encourage people to, to be a little different? Yeah, and Jim, you mentioned nervousness in that regard. I think there's also a bit, I used the word naive earlier. It's something that everyone has to really realize early in their career. It is that they, well, you, you only control your career. Uh, you know, I thought for a long time when I was at Honeywell uh, that certainly I was on some sort of like succession plan. Uh, my, my, my annual reviews that told me I was doing a good job meant almost guaranteed future promotions. That's not the case, right? Now, certainly my mentors and, and other folks were saying those things meant those things. They were being genuine, but that's not the way corporations work. You have to figure out your path forward, where you want to be in X number of years and really make it complicated and plan and execute it. You can't count on your boss, your mentor, uh, your coworkers to do it for you. And the sooner you realize that, the sooner you can really gain control of your own career. So I think there is some humility involved, but I think it's much more sort of just people being naive that the process will take care of itself. I, it's not the way things work in the real world. Yeah, I would agree. It's, um, you know, humility is, uh, when we say we want someone to be humble, what we basically mean is we don't want them to be an arrogant ass. Like that's what we For really sure. mean. But humility by definition is deferring to other people. But you still have to articulate where you want to go and what you want to be. And that's not being, that's not a lack of humility. And it's a good point on, you know, I'm getting feedback from my boss or my mentor. Oftentimes we go to ask for that feedback and we say, how am I doing? And they say, oh, you're doing great. Just keep doing what you're doing. And that's not feedback that's going to change. But if you say, hey, uh, I really want to make VP next year. Am I doing, what can I do differently now that would get me up into that level? All of a sudden, it's a very different dynamic of a conversation. And many of us haven't been taught how to ask those types of conversation or ask those types of questions to get the really good answers that we're craving to get. Yeah, in, in my book, I talk a lot about that. And here's there are, there are table stakes you have to do to even have the right to ask the question, right? So that's another thing that I think folks that have come out of school today sort of have this opinion and attitude that if I just do the job, the promotions will take care of themselves. Well, well frankly, you got to kind of separate yourselves from others to, to earn that right. Uh, but once you're doing those, those things, uh, putting down a path to your boss, to your mentor, having those conversations about what steps do I have to take in terms of training, in terms of development, if you find the right mentor, you're going to get the answers. And if you're not getting what you want, 
look around elsewhere. You, you can't sit on the sidelines. You got to really kind of fight for that right. And, um, you know, I think it's mission critical in terms of career development and career growth to get where you want to get. The one other thing I really, I, I really talked a lot in my book, uh, Jim, is the concept of job hopping. You know, one thing that says, well, if I'm not getting what I want, I'm just going to change companies. I'm going to go to a different place. And I, I, I really have this core belief that that's a mistake. I think folks have to be in their company and even in their role for a minimum of three to five years. And why I think that's so important, Jim, is that to become a leader, to get all perspectives and really round yourself out, you have to go through business cycles. You have to see the ups and the downs and ride those waves with a company. If you're skipping every year or two from job to job to job, that's impossible to have experienced. And to me, I think as a leader, you have some weaknesses that, that can't be overlooked. So I, I really, really coach against early career jumping. Uh, I think you might get a few bucks here and there, but you're missing a real big opportunity to learn. Which is, you know, it almost seems like that would fly in the face of the financial stability aspect that we talked about, because most people don't get the big bucks until they jump around by staying. But there is, you know, there's a balance. There's a balance, right. And getting that perspective of, you know, I'm doing this for 50 years or 40 years, right? A three to five year, you know, 10% of that isn't, isn't that, that big of a, of a challenge. Um, but this is an advice again, I'll reiterate is this isn't just advice for 22 year olds. I, I I'm having this conversation with people who have been in the workforce for 15, 20, 25 years. And their frustration is at a point where they say, look, I've been doing everything I'm supposed to be doing and I'm still not getting the promotions is because they've never thought about it in this way. Do you think about that? Or do you have people around you that you're coaching beyond just the, you know, right out of college? Because I feel like this is something that just manifests over time. And it, if it's going under the surface for 20 years, all of a sudden this resentment takes over where you're almost taking yourself out of the game before you can even get a promotion. Well, it's really interesting, Jim, too. You think about life and, you know, before we started the show today, we talked about how you and I are even in different spots in our life, right? And and it can really happen where, and I guess why I wrote the book for people coming out of college, I think those first few years are so critical, but then you get married, you have kids, you have a partner, different life takes over. And next thing you know, 15 years have gone by and you're 40. Uh, and, and you might be having a lot of the conversations, Jim, with those kind of people who are sort of awakening from that section of life. And now, now what do I do with the rest of my career? So I think it's kind of a restart in that case. Uh, but either way, uh, really understanding where I'm going to go, take an honest assessment of where they are financially, career, relationships. I think that's a very, very big part of this, Jim. Are you willing to sit down and take an honest assessment of where you are and take stock, right? And, and reset the, the curve. I think that's a big step people fail to do. They're kind of going on in their career. They're for, they wake up and they're 40 years old and they're not really going to take an honest assessment of what are my strengths and weaknesses? What are my blind spots? And how can I address those? They just want to figure out what the next step is. So, you know, I talk a lot about that in the book, just taking honest stock of where you are and figuring out a plan. Which is a nice transition because, you know, as we were prepping for the show, we talked a little bit about um, differentiation. And part of what we have to think about over time is how like, we're all a dime a dozen. Okay. There are other VP of plastic mold, you know, sure. around the world. Right. And there are other executive coaches and business coaches and we're all a dime a dozen. How do you differentiate for who you are, no matter what level you are in the organization, part of that, you know, how do we differentiate ourselves in the new economy where reputation is so important and understanding of where we want to go is so important. You want the same job that 15 other people want. How do you differentiate yourself? You know, it's really interesting, Jim. Differentiation is a huge topic. And I'll tell you why. I, 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 this kind of dawned on me probably six months ago, even fairly recently. 
that the folks coming out of colleges today and joining the workforce, I, I think, are more homogenous than ever. They're listening to the same you know, podcast. They have the same social influencers. They're all carrying the same phone. Even regional differences we used to have because somebody lived in Maine or Texas or California, those are even kind of getting washed out by, by the internet and by, by, by trends they see online. So when I interview folks or I'm working with people at work, it's, they're almost copycats, the same answers, the same type of responses. So differentiation is even easier to do because I think people are basically becoming more and more homogenous. So very simple. First of all, let me get one phrase that drives me crazy, Jim. Uh, don't work hard, work smart. I mean, I'm sure you've heard that phrase. It drives me crazy. It, it yeah. drives me crazy. I mean, I, I know what they're trying to say there, but if you're 22 and you started a brand new job, you better work hard. You, you better put in the hours. And, and I, I get work-life balance, but work-life balance is something you need to earn. You know, when I started my career and I was 22, I don't think my boss really cared about my happy hour or what I was doing that weekend. I had to put in the time and, I, and I've earned what I have and I'm pretty proud of that. But I think we, we've sort of lost that. I mean, I think, I mean, hard work is almost a dirty word in the country. And um, it's certainly underrated. So if you want to differentiate yourself in today's world, just work hard. It is no longer table stakes. Uh, and at this point, I feel like it is a differentiator from almost any job in any in industry. Get to work early, put in the time, stay later than others, and you're going to differentiate yourself from 90% of others. Right? And working hard and smart are not mutually exclusive. For sure thing. not. For sure not. <laughs> right? So, so, so to me, that that's a big thing. S second, you know, be your authentic self. And this, this went back to Jim earlier when you talked about people being humble. And I think we're being humble to a fault. Everyone's different. Everyone has their own perspectives. If you're willing to step up and talk about your original thought in any given situation, that's going to be a differentiator. As much as people are connected on their phones and their devices, they become almost in a cocoon, in a shell, in a real life work environment, in a conference room, at the, at the coffee pot. It's everyone's comfortable texting where being your authentic self in a work environment or in a project, again, a huge differentiator. Don't be afraid to step out over your skis. It's, it's, it's a game changer. And I think, you know, third, I, in my book, I call it a stopper. And what I mean by that, Jim, is it's so easy today, pat, forward on an email, delegate, you know, give responsibility to others. But if you become known in your corporation or in your nonprofit or wherever you are as a stopper, and when things come to you, they get done, people will notice and you'll be quickly promoted because stoppers are not hard to, are hard to find. Those are not a dime a dozen. And I give that advice to everyone I can talk to about, you know, taking charge, taking responsibility. Don't pass the buck. Be the stopper. It's a nice part of the reputation where you're just known as the person who gets things done. Um, and it's, you know, I've talked a lot on, on this podcast about how being an idea person or a manager of people isn't enough anymore. You actually have to get the things done in order to get the progress and see the progress that you actually want. Absolutely. Um, so what... As we're coming towards the end of this, I want people to start thinking about it. it's it's good philosophy, right? We're, we've talked about the personal responsibility of an individual to take control of their situation to bring them up to jumpstart their future, right? Good financial uh, focus, asking good financial questions, asking the stupid questions because it's ultimately your responsibility for five twenty nine plans, IRAs, four hundred one ks, whatever it is. And having there's a lot of free information out there that can get confusing, but finding someone that you can ask the good questions to, right? That's important. And, and taking control of your career and finding your mentor and, and all of this. On the flip side, from a senior office perspective, we have an obligation to provide this to people and to be the mentor, to be the good ancestor, as someone had, had chatted in before. We want to be the good ancestor for the people coming up behind us. Um, what are 
first steps for people who are listening to this saying, oh yeah, you know, I should probably do some of that one way or the other. What's their first step and what do they do? You're talking from a leadership standpoint. I'm talking from whatever standpoint you want to talk about. <laughs> Fair enough. Whichever one you say, I'm going to flip it and ask about the other side. All right. Got it. Yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, you know, so, so as leaders, uh, we provide things to our employees. Like we, here's a slip. Here's how you, you know, sign up for a 401k plan. I mean, it's a program available in our company. We should not make the assumptions that folks know how to leverage those tools to the best of their abilities. So what we're trying to say is things that are available in terms of training, in terms of programs at the company, what can we do to help our employees maximize that? So we're putting training regimens around that. And, and, and really, Jim, I think that once those things get kicked off, it starts a sort of a, a flywheel effect within your company of people asking questions and wanting to know more and more. And I think that's really where the energy is. So my, my I guess my best counseling to my peers in the industry is just start with something. Just do something uh, because that energy will then carry on uh, throughout the other parts of the organization. And we're really seeing it here at MMD. Uh, we're pretty excited about the kind of the different differentiating training we're doing. And we're finding it as a way to, to kind of keep folks here and have as a retention effort. You know, labor is hard to come by these days. So if we can definitely give some folks some extra energy and some extra knowledge. We're, we're better off for it. Excellent. Now flip it around. That's the leadership side. What about these kids or not kids anymore? The 40 year old, what, you know, what are these people doing or can they do? First step is, you know, well, besides buy your book and read your book, but that's like they're, they're highly recommended. Highly recommended. <laughs> uh, no, what, what I would say is this. I dedicate my whole first chapter of the book, Jim. It's called starting strong. To me, it's the most important tool we have as, as professionals or even as, you know, spouses, uh, whatever you're, whatever you're trying to accomplish, Getting off to a good start, a real strong start, puts you ahead of 95% of the competition. Think about at work. You know, you hire a new employee. They come in for the first, you know, few days of their job. If they if they crush it, they not only uh, set themselves up and set a bar of expectation for themselves, but they've earned that so important, you know, uh, uh, freedom from their bosses. They have that uh, uh, freedom kind of go and grow, and the expectation then becomes they're going to continue to do it. Right? Uh, they have the benefit of the doubt if they have a bad day. From a financial standpoint, if the first couple of years you go out and you really invest well, save and get yourself ahead, you don't have to worry about a bad day or debt or something crushing you. You have that savings. Uh, in, in, in dating, if the first two or three dates you go on, you're, you're a super gentleman, uh, you're going to win over your, your partner, their family. Or, you know, Don't ever stop doing those things. But no, right. Don't those, change that. Don't That's change true. those. But the first two or three dates really matter. So, so I, I set up my entire book by saying, no matter what you want to do, whatever goal you have, start strong. Hit the ground running. Uh, don't dilly dally and, and, and really hit it. And, you know, my family and I we're, we're really into sports and fitness, right? So we really believe in getting up early, getting to the gym, hitting that strong because it, it just starts the day out great. And uh, you know, I, I really believe in starting strong. So if you ask me what, what's the one bit of advice, pick something, take an honest assessment of where you are, and um, and just and hit it with full energy right away. And just start going, right? It's not always, you know, you may not have started strong if you're 40, but they say that the best time to start was 20 years ago. Second best time is now. So uh, at least just get started. So what's next for you um, with the book, with business? Is there anything anyone could do to support you? Tell me about, you know, what's next for for Ben Lampron. Yeah. I mean, I love my job, right? We have a great uh, culture here at MMD. Um, so I, so love it here. Uh, but you know, on the side and really why I wrote the book, Jim, is I'm trying to find ways to take the lessons learned I've had in my career personally and professionally, frankly, uh, and, and share them with others. So, you know, I'm doing a lot of things with some nonprofit organizations, some basketball teams, uh, trying to find ways to, to share the, the, the information. So 
that's what I'm looking to do. Um, you know, if there's folks that could think they could leverage the things that are in my book or, or get to know me a little bit better, they certainly can reach me uh, through my website at benlampron.com. Uh, that's kind of my mission, right? I, I want to have folks solve that riddle that you mentioned earlier. What, you know, what if I knew then what I know now? And, and that's what we can do as leaders is to, just to kind of fast forward that learning and give it to the folks when they're 18 to 22, rather than them figuring out that the school of hard knocks from 22 to 40. And if everyone had that knowledge now, you know, earlier in their career, they'd be better off. That's great. And we always end these interviews with a book recommendation. I imagine I know what book you're going to recommend, but please make a book recommendation for everybody. Well, I'm going to give two uh, because right. you know, I, I highly recommend Jumpstart Your Future. Uh, it's available on Amazon.com. And, and just a little bit about the book, everyone. I, I, I break down the things I've learned in my career uh, and, and None of it is really rocket science or proprietary. Uh, some folks will read the book and say, yep, I know all that. But a lot of basics in there really could uh, benefit someone who's coming out of college who hasn't had that mentor or that the parents or the schooling. So I wrote the book and I, I hope you guys pick it up. Uh, but the book I'm reading right now has been pretty impactful uh, to me, Jim. As you might know, it's Pride Month. And uh, you know, I always try to find unfiltered uh, books, things that weren't uh, done through a political spectrum or, or through that sort of lens. So we're doing a book right now called um, We Both Laughed in Pleasure, The Selected Diaries of Lou Sullivan. Uh, Lou is a trans man uh, who died of HIV in 1991. And the book was written to collect his personal diaries throughout his entire life. So I'm reading how he went through his life as a transgender person through his eyes, through his words, not filtered, not political. And as I'm trying to learn more and become more aware of that community. Um, I, thought it was, I thought it was a great book to read and I'm really enjoying it. Um, again, that's how I try to find books, you know, not filtered through any sort of spectrum. And, and, you know, Lou writes his diary and all the stuff he suffered and how he lived his life. So quite an eye opener. I'm enjoying it. No, that sounds good. It's uh, it's like the old saying, we don't see things as they are. We see things as we are. So those types of books kind of jolt the, the record spinning around, you know, the normal way that we would think about what's, you know, what's important and it changes, uh, it changes perspective. That's a great recommendation. So thanks. So yes. that's Ben. Uh, ben Lampron, best-selling author, co-best-selling author, because uh, I am too, because we have the same publisher. We're very, very good. Uh, get Ben's book, Jumpstart Your Future. It's on Amazon now. You can learn more about Ben at benlampron.com. Uh, thank you, everybody, for joining this week. This is really good advice, especially for the, for the senior members of the organization. We do have an obligation to the people. Uh, as the economy changes, as the workplace changes, it is our obligation as leaders and organizations to make sure people have the tools they need to adapt. And that is beyond just training on tools and, and systems and everything else. It's uh, things like Ben was talking about, you know, financial coaching and mental health coaching and all of those things to help figure out whatever that balance is and put those career plans together. So as always, thank you for tuning in. More is on bellwetherhub.com. I'll write up a little bit uh, around this interview and you can check out the blog. There's lots to learn on there about getting yourself up throughout an organization and, and learning and being the best that you can be. Special thanks to Ben Lampron for being here today. And thank you everybody for joining. And I look forward to seeing everybody soon. Thanks. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Jim. Thank you so much for listening. Now do something for yourself. Bellwether is much more than just a podcast. Join us at bellwetherhub.com, where you can read riveting articles, view upcoming events, and connect with other interesting people. I look forward to seeing you out there soon.